This is Marcus Sheridan, co-author of The Visual Sale, How to Use Video to Explode Sales, Drive Marketing, and Grow Your Business in a Virtual World. And you are listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Book Podcast, helping you keep up with the smartest thinking in the quickly changing field of modern marketing. And now, here's your host, Douglas Burdett. Hello, and thanks for joining me on the Marketing Book Podcast, where each week I publish an interview with the author of a new marketing or sales book and which was named by Forbes as one of 11 smart podcasts that will keep you in the know and named by LinkedIn as one of 10 podcasts that will make you a better marketer. Don't worry about taking notes. You can find links to everything linkable in this episode's website page at marketingbookpodcast.com. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast and I read every book featured on the show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource that I know of for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. I produce this podcast to help us both keep up with the latest ideas that matter most in the quickly changing and somewhat overwhelming world of modern marketing and sales. My day job is running a marketing agency that helps manufacturers and industrial companies grow faster by taking a sales-based approach to marketing. To learn more about the problems we solve and how we do it, visit salesartillery.com. And if you're one of the many, many listeners who's left a review on Apple Podcasts, I want to drop a little something in the mail to thank you. Details after the interview. All right, enough yakking. Let's get on with the show. Today, we welcome back Marcus Sheridan to the Marketing Book Podcast for the third time to talk about the book he has co-authored with Tyler Lassard, The Visual Sale, How to Use Video to Explode Sales, Drive Marketing, and Grow Your Business in a Virtual World, published by Idea Press. Called a web marketing guru by the New York Times, the story of how Marcus Sheridan was able to save a swimming company, River Pools, from the economic crash of 2008 has been featured in multiple books, publications, and stories around the world. Since this achievement, Marcus has become a highly sought-after global speaker and consultant in the digital sales and marketing space, working with hundreds of businesses and brands to become the most trusted voice of their industry. When the first edition of They Ask You Answer was published in 2017, it was rated by Mashable as the number one marketing book to read that year. And Forbes listed it as one of 11 marketing books every CMO should read. It's now in its second edition. And interesting fact, especially for my listeners in Poland, Marcus lives near Warsaw. (laughs) Warsaw, Virginia, that is. Marcus, congratulations on the visual sale and welcome back to the Marketing Book Podcast. Yo, brother, you're not going to believe this, but I literally just got a call yesterday from somebody, not a call, a message online and said, hey, Marcus, I'm going to be the one that's translating your book into Polish. So they ask you answer is being translated into Polish as we speak. So well done. Well done there, Douglas. I, and I did not nice know segue. that. You didn't even know that. That's, no. That's how good of a segue. But I hear from a lot of creates. those uh, listeners in, in Poland, so they'll be excited to, to hear that. I have a feeling a lot of them may have already read They Ask You Answer. And for anyone that hasn't heard me talk about it or hasn't read about it in other books, make sure to read the second edition. 
And uh, Marcus Sheridan is one of only two authors in over 300 episodes that I've interviewed about the first and second edition. And Marcus, I've read hundreds and hundreds of sales and marketing (laughs) books. You've read some books, brother. (laughs) They ask you answer one of my very, very favorite ones. Thank you, man. Thank you. Means means a lot to me. And what's wild is it just keeps on going, right? So that's what's, it, it continues to do as well today as it did when the first um, edition came out um, almost four years ago now. And, you know, really the visual sale was, it, it's almost, so it's like a, a deep dive into a, a major part of what they ask you answer is, right? Because if you look what they ask you answer is, it's an obsession with the way our customers think, what they ask, and how they want to learn, how they want to buy, right? And that's where video comes into play so very, very much, man. And it's, it's so it's just crazy how I don't generally have good timing, but based on everything that's happened in the world in the last, you know, over the last year, the timing was right on the visual sale because, you know, we've never talked about video so very much. True, but every single thing in your book is not going to go away. In other words, everything in your book (laughs) is going to continue on after we can all stop wearing masks and we can start flying on on airplanes. So don't don't think that this is a COVID related book. To your to your point, to your point, the way that I try to write something is principle based, not let's call it platform based or something that's just trendy, right? Yep. Because if you can if you can write in terms of principles, like you take a principle, a truth. An example of a principle is um, is if someone sees it, it sticks longer in their memory. All right? That's a principle of truth. It's inarguable, right? And so if we focus on those elements of a particular subject matter, in this case video, then it's you know then it's one of those things if you hopefully if you pick it up in ten years like good grief man this has got so much value and you know I tried to do they ask you answer the same way so that's that's that was certainly the goal of this book with Tyler and myself excellent and the difference one of the many differences between the first and second book is that you added a second edition of they ask you answer you added at least a hundred extra pages and a, a chunk of that was about video yeah uh, but this gave me even more. So I appreciate that. Now, uh, Marcus, just a uh, couple other administrative things. Back to back to Warsaw, okay? <laughs> I rode my motorcycle through Warsaw, Virginia, not too long ago. And to my great disappointment, I did not find a single Polish restaurant there. So Marcus, <laughs> I think there's some uh, truth in advertising issues going on, but that was part of a Marcus uh, Sheridan pilgrimage. I was leading my friends on and very, just very nice. Did you at least drive by river pools? No, we just the, pulled into well, no, the no, famous swimming pool company, I the most known swimming pool company in the world now. Marcus, River you could have stopped right there in Warsaw, Virginia. I'm 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 doing this in phases. So the next one I lead is going to go to the the pool, the the pool company, and then the third one is going to go to your house. Now I didn't okay. lead everybody by your house, and I just want to say you're welcome. Okay, <laughs> so now this is the third time you've been on the Marketing Book Podcast. So I just want you to know you're now eligible for free upgrades. And I'm not really sure what the upgrades are, but they are free. Okay. 
And you will be receiving, um, like all members of the Marketing Book Podcast Timers Club, uh, you'll be receiving discount coupons, good at any Warsaw area Taco Bell. <laughs> and I believe the nearest one is right across the Rappahannock River in Tappahannock. Right. Yeah. Well played, See, sir. When, well played. When you're the host of the Marketing Book Podcast, you have to do your research. So <laughs> there you go. So let me just start with an excerpt towards the beginning of the book, and let's get into it. You write that there is plenty of content online these days about how to do video as a company. There's very, very little, however, on how to truly grow your business, your brand, and your bottom line through this powerful medium. As the authors of this work, Tyler Lassard and I, Marcus Sheridan, didn't want to produce another guide to vlogging, Instagram, or the- instead, we wanted to show you exactly what has been proven to get real results by real companies doing some incredible and attainable things with video. Our first goal is that you're flooded with ideas as to what video could do for your organization, be it sales, marketing, or the customer experience. Our second goal is that upon finishing this book, you will have all of the basic tools, foundational knowledge, and direction you need to take action. And then you go on to write, in the following pages, we're going to answer three major questions about video. What types of videos actually get results from a sales and marketing perspective? What are some of the B2B and B2C case studies of companies having exceptional success using video? And what must a company do to create a culture of in-house video Mm. that is built to last. So Marcus, let's step back though. Maybe we could talk about the human brain, but why do people have such a voracious appetite for video and and beyond just a love of, you know, entertainment? Well, you know, it's just one of those things where for thousands of years, we've essentially had this phrase, seeing is believing, right? Seeing is believing. And there's something just dramatic about the way seeing it, showing it, affects the senses. If you think about it, Douglas, especially from a business context, if you look at the general words that businesses use to talk about their business, for the most part, they're the same. So, in other words, we say things like, we're the best such and such. We have the most this. We've been doing this the longest. And so, we say all these things, you know, we have the best quality, best service, best team. These are words and phrases that every company uses. And if every company is using the same phraseology, the same messaging, what does it mean to the marketplace? Ultimately, it's just just noise until you see the thing. And once you see the thing, now, not only can you visualize it, here's where it gets really interesting. And this is how, this is what makes it so powerful, is generally you can teach it and describe it to somebody else. If you just, let's say, read the thing, and then you're asked to teach and describe it to somebody else, it's harder. If you see the thing, and then you're asked to teach that to somebody else, total game changer. If you look at that from the psychology of a sales experience, right? Let's say you're some B2B organization and you are trying to get someone in that organization to catch the vision of what your product or service does and therefore be able to truly explain that thing to the other board members, the decision makers of that particular product or service. 
video is going to be the essential key to that for them to actually do their job as the messenger. And so that is the fundamental reason for it. And we just, just to your point, we are becoming so addicted to seeing it into video. Every single trend is pointing in this direction. It's uncanny. It's absurd, really, what's happened with video on the internet. And at this point, it's just this, it's it's literally this undeniable wave of the way buyers want to learn and what they expect. And the companies that are turning their backs on it, boy, I I, I I really do feel for them, Douglas, because this is such a driving now demand, not a want, a demand in the marketplace. Yes, but and this brings me back to a workshop of yours that I attended in Richmond years ago where you were hmm. explaining this uh, this notion that everyone thinks they're different <laughs> and it doesn't apply to their customers. And I guess my question is, what do you say to people, and you probably run into them every week, who say, Marcus, that's great, I, but I don't watch videos online. Hmm. And if I don't watch videos online, why would my customers? Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I actually, it's funny. What you just said reminded me of, um, I, I posted a, a, on LinkedIn today a, a thought that I had a, a similar to that, Douglas, which was, you know, I've, I've talked with easily over a thousand sales organizations in the last decade. Every single one of them has essentially made the statement to me, you see, Marcus, we have a very complex sales process. Oh, I saw that today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so, if everybody says the exact same thing about their, quote, complex sales process, wouldn't that actually therefore mean that everybody has a normal sales process? In other words, there's actually nothing special about that, quote, complicated sales process, but specific to your question about video, right? So let's analyze this for a second. People say... Yeah, but I don't do video. That's not my jam. It's not my thing. When in the history of the world has somebody been on your website, they were looking for a video to better understand your product or your service, couldn't find said video, couldn't get the answer they were looking for, and said to themselves, that's okay that they don't have a video right now. You know what? I bet you they're really either A, very nervous, about creating videos and they're uncomfortable on camera, or B, maybe they just don't do video. So why don't we just call them on the phone instead? Or let's dig further into their website. I'm sure the answer I'm looking for is there. Right. This is, people don't care about the feelings and opinions of us as business owners and marketers, etc. And sadly, we continue, and this will always be the case, right? One of those principles, it's a sad principle here, that we allow personal opinions to screw up smart business decisions. And so the companies that are crushing it with video quickly realized that their opinions on whether or not they would like to consider themselves a media company, as I purport in the book, right? <laughs> yes. Right. They get over themselves because they say, okay, if roughly 85% of the content consumed online today is video-based content, and I don't consider myself a media company, there's a very good chance I could be left behind. That's reality. 
So it's not romantic. So much of what we do isn't romantic, right? It's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I sell this. I sell that. Yeah, yeah. You're a media company. I'm a media company that happens to sell swimming pools. I'm a media company, for those that know me. Yeah, I have a pool company, right? I'm a media company that happens to have a marketing agency. But that's a media company there called Impact. Mm-hmm. There are media companies. My speaking brand. It's a media company that happens to give keynotes, trainings, etc. All media companies. So, Marcus, is everyone listening to this right now who has a job working for a media company? They are, and many would say he has no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> I hear that a lot, but that's just from my kids. But sure, 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 sure. But. If we live in a place called reality and we look at the way we learn and the way we buy, the way we consume, we have to say, yeah, yeah, my success rises and falls with this thing called media. I'm not talking about the news media for the love of all that's pure and holy. I'm talking (laughs) about, I'm talking about the way people learn and see and watch online. That's what I'm talking about. So Marcus, the artist formerly known as the sales lion, let's cut to the chase. (laughs) And by that, I mean, let's skip that marketing fluff. Yeah. What are the types of videos that will immediately impact sales and closing rates? Let's, Let's talk about some of those. Okay, so I have to preface this with uh, what is the <laughs> foremost video that everybody wastes money on? Oh, great. And so, yeah. So, this is what's so funny to me because I see companies uh, now for, for uh, quite a few years that spend a large bit of their marketing budget on a couple videos, the main video being that glorious about us video. <laughs> And they probably yeah. hired an expensive uh, video oh, production. They outsource it. Yeah. You know, everybody felt good about it. And I'm telling you, when the team watched the video, they felt great. They felt, man, this is great. When has a salesperson said, if I could just get this prospect to watch our About Us video, I know that would convince them to buy? You see, the problem is that. Too often, and I have to say this, Douglas, I just have to say this. There's a reason why the first section of the book is sales and then marketing follows. So sales first, marketing second. There's a reason why the title or the subtitle is how to use video to explode sales, drive marketing. Notice marketing is two. What is the biggest mistake that most marketers make with video? It is the fact that they approach it from a marketing first standpoint. Believe it or not, and this is going to make some people just like, some marketer is going to vomit in their mouth as I say this, okay? And that is, video should come from your sales budget, not from marketing. Mm. At least the majority of it should come from sales budget. Why? Because its foremost purpose is to help your sales team right now. When you develop a culture of video, you have the greatest ability to impact the sales team right now. Is that going to make your CFO happy? Yes. Is that going to make 
Everybody else happy? Yes, because now we have a true return on investment. Why does video die with many companies shortly after it started? Because they didn't see returns. And there's a bunch of other reasons, I'm sure, which we'll bring up. But you have to start with a sales first mindset with video in the majority of cases if you want to be successful. Now, what are the sales videos that move the needle the most? Well, and also let me add, when we're thinking sales first, it's almost like you're sneaking the customer into the equation because <laughs> mm-hmm. they're a little more attuned with what with the code, which is why every marketer should spend time with their salespeople and learn as much about the the sales process, the buying process, and the customer. So, please. Well, you're 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 exactly right. I mean, and and that's like when you're obsessed with the customer, it naturally leads to addressing those worries, concerns, major questions, fundamental questions, and that brings us really to the first video that I think companies should be producing. This is assuming you have any type of sales team, or even if let's say you were an e-commerce company um, and you were selling products online, because it's going to be the same thing. But if you have a B2B sales team, this is completely up your alley. It's called the 80% video. It's one of the most important videos you can produce. So if you talk to any sales team and you ask them, so what percentage of the questions you get uh, on a sales call, especially your first sales call, are essentially the same questions every single time? They're going to say uh, about 80%, 75%, 85%. So in other words, we're, we're just spending most of our time sending salespeople out to answer the same questions over and over again. This feels like Groundhog's Day, right? And so how do we eliminate that? So what you want to do is first thing, of course, you want to engage your sales team. And you want to brainstorm for each major product or service that you sell. What are the most common questions you know you're going to hear? when you have that initial sales call. Now, once you've listed them out, ideally you choose somewhere between seven and 10 of the top most repeated questions. You then create one video that answers all of those, call it seven to 10 questions. Now, as you hear that, you might say, well, that sounds like a long video. People don't watch long videos. That's right. They're, all videos are supposed to be short, right? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> the dumbest stat in the history of the internet is that all videos should be less than 90 seconds because there's a drop-off rate after 90 seconds. Yeah, the goldfish well, thing, right? There's also a major drop-off rate after seven seconds. It doesn't mean we should all be producing seven-second videos. What we need to be – besides that, I don't really want my custom like, – my products, I don't want every single one to watch the entire video because the purpose of video or any great educational piece for that matter is to also disqualify, (laughs) to help somebody know they're not a good fit. Mm -hmm. So in other words, if they're watching that video and, you know, after the first couple questions are answered on said video, right? Because you've got seven to 10 questions answered on that 80% video. They're watching it and they quickly realize, okay, this was helpful. This is not a good fit for me. Guess what? Everybody's won. Nobody has lost. And what would happen if every time you met with a prospect, they not only knew the answers to those redundant questions, but they had heard it from you. They had seen it from you. How would that change your initial sales appointments? And of course, everybody, if you ask any salesperson, they're like, that would be amazing. It would completely change things. It would make it faster. It would increase closing rates. It would shorten sales cycles, like on and on and on. That's why the 80% video is so magical. Most companies don't have it. You should have one for every major product and service that you sell. 
Now, if somebody says, well, I've got a thousand products and services that we sell. Okay, choose the top 20% that generate 80% of your revenue. Okay, just Pareto's law, same old, same old there. But this is where for some of you, you could spend the next six months just producing 80% videos and it would come back to you tenfold, tenfold yes. in terms of value. Okay, so there's there's one. Let's do well, another one. Let me ask you a quick okay. question though. What are some of the more common mistakes companies make with the the eighty percent video for those that yeah so an example of of a common mistake would be they don't preview the questions that they're going to answer right and so what you want to you know what you want to do is at the beginning of the video you might say say let's just say it's about fiberglass pools I'm just going to be hypothetical right so you might say so in this video we're going to cover seven major questions that we know you have about fiberglass pools right now that nobody has been willing to address the first question we're going to address is what is the best fiberglass pool shape and size for your situation number two we're going to talk about how much does a fiberglass pool really cost right and then on and on so previewing is key in conjunction with previewing one of the best ways that we've seen, and we, you know, typically we do this with clients because all of our clients at my agency um, are doing video. It's, well, I shouldn't say all. The very high majority are doing video. They're doing it aggressively. And you want to have um, transitions between the questions. So in other words, you might have the way when, when your videographer produces the video, you want to take a second to show the question on the screen then show your subject matter expert, have them answer it, have your B-roll, whatever you have, right? Then, once you're ready for the next question, show it on the screen, right? And then answer it. And so you want to have defined segments of the video, right? That's one way you want to do it. Also, oftentimes, people just don't lean into the difficult questions on those. For example, one really good question that you should consider for an 80% video is who is this product or service not a good fit for? That's really, really a great question. And unfortunately, most companies, because they just don't think like buyers, they don't necessarily consider that question. 100% you should. Um, right, like they're they, thinking, they're assuming if they're watching the video that they they want to buy from them tomorrow. <laughs> it's like they need to well, step back and say, okay, well, you know, let me... Let me, let well, me, that, uh, well, that's well, that's exactly it. It's like there's got to remember it's and and this is the fundamental to the ask you answer. It's we do the brainstorm with the sales team without filter, so we can't say yeah. They always ask me how much does it cost. Okay, yeah, let's not talk about that one. In the eighty percent video, uh uh-uh. uh, <laughs> can't skip it. Mm-hmm. If they want to know, you have to address it. You have to find a way to address it well, right? But that is a that that is a classic mistake that we see with these eighty percent videos. Well, that actually leads us into one of the other uh, the ones that are the ones that really work hard for you very quickly, and that is the cost and pricing that video. Is the cost one, right. So you could touch on it in your eighty percent, mm-hmm. but then Good. talk about this cost yeah. and pricing because uh, Marcus, I, we can't talk about price. Our competition would find out. Yeah, anybody knows anything about how I feel about this subject line. I've had this conversation with yeah. Do you ever stop talking about this? And you know, what what's been cool about they ask you answer, that movement has been so strong that it's led to literally thousands and thousands of companies talking more transparently about pricing online. And what we always teach when it comes to cost and price is that 
The core of any cost price conversation of any product or service, whether or not you're B2B, whether or not you're a manufacturer, right? It doesn't matter what you are. I, I could show you plenty of examples of how people have done this in your space effectively so as to earn trust because really that's what we're talking about here, right? Earning trust, right? And when you talk about cost and price, we need to focus the majority of our attention on the industry, which is four major factors. What drives cost up for that particular product or service? What drives cost down? Why are some companies expensive? Why are some companies cheap? Those are the four majors in every single industry. Doesn't matter what you sell. That is where you build, Douglas, your value proposition. Because when you explain that, they're able to say, oh, okay. So you're telling me some companies actually include that as part of their service. That's correct, right? And then the final 20%, of that piece of content, be it video, article, whatever, but in this context, we're talking about video. Now you get a chance to talk about where you are. And in a perfect world, you do give at least a range, at least a floor. You know, one great example of this is a company called Sheffield Metals. Amazing, amazing company. And uh, they are a manufacturer of metal roofing materials. What they did is they literally mimicked what would be a sales experience to have if you were buying a metal roof from a contractor. So they're a manufacturer producing a cost price video on, let's say, that you were buying a metal roof from a contractor. They literally got a couple different contractor quotes. They showed the different ranges in price, different things that were included. Absolutely amazing. So if you go to the metal roofing channel, or if you just go to YouTube and type in how much does a metal roof cost, you'll see this video. Really amazing how it's done. So that's an example of a manufacturer doing this and doing this the right way. But the whole key is you're teaching people how to buy the thing you sell. That's it. You're teaching. So that they're like, huh, I didn't realize that. Okay, huh, now I understand what defines value. Huh, now I know why they're cheap. That way, if they want to go cheap, good. But at least you know. They know. Everybody knows. But they're not going cheap out of ignorance. You know that early on. Right. Everybody wins. <laughs> right. You know, it's also funny. Uh, I, I remember you one, once uh, you showed me the analytics for your uh, pool company. And I think the most highly trafficked uh, blog posts were about cost. What is a pool call? All the things. (laughs) Not even close. (laughs) I've got one that's been, I've got. And you can't uh, give a specific cost, obviously. I know there's some people out there thinking, but, but it's different for each customer. Of course it is. But you can explain, you can educate them on what goes into cost. Yes. Well, that's once again. You can't necessarily give, and this is this is the core to they ask you answer. This is the core to great video. That is, you can't always give an exact answer, but you can always address it, and you can always show it. And that's the mindset that you got to have. Sometimes the answer is, well, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you these things to help you at least get started in this yes. process. Right? People appreciate that. No buyers ever said to me, Marcus, I can't believe. You only gave me a range of price on your website. I'm so offended. What they say is, Marcus Cully, they thank you because you're the only daggone swimming pool company that's willing to talk about this stuff on your website. That's the stuff we hear all day long. <laughs> right. 
every I did a thing last uh, last week. I, I took the time to call just like like dozens of our customers from this year with my uh, swimming pool company. Douglas, 100% of them mentioned to me one of the reasons why they bought is because they had watched so many of our videos. I'm telling every single stinking one of them wanted to talk about our videos because we show it. We show it all. Good, bad, ugly. Show, show, show. That's what we do. Full-time videographer. That's what we have. We're a media company. That's what we are, right? And because of that, it's amazing. It's absolutely astounding. But yeah, cost price videos, huge, huge. You need to do it. There's, and think about it too. Do you think your sales team right now would be fired up if they had a great video explaining the value of that thing that you sell, helping the buyer to understand, here's why that thing you sell is 10% more than the marketplace. Do you think a sales team would appreciate that? I'm telling you, they would do somersaults because so often, and this is the part that people don't realize. Once again, let's go back to the buying process, especially when there's multiple decision makers. A salesperson is busy explaining to a prospect, a buyer, why something costs what it does. Now, that person then goes back and explains to everybody else. Here's what salesperson said. Here's what they pitched me. Here's what they told me it would be. And here's, you know, here's what they said. And I'm telling you, they always screw that up. When you allow the messenger to do your dirty work, and I don't mean dirty work in a bad way. I'm talking about your job as a salesperson, which is <laughs> helping the market understand value. Then you have problems. You, you lose lots of deals. And so the smart person, the smart salesperson says to the prospect, now, I know you're going to take this to the board to help them understand what we've quoted you. We've created a video that specifically shows them everything that you and I have discussed. And so make sure they watch this video first when you're going over pricing. And this way, you're not going to have to answer the tough questions. This video will do it for you. Guess what the prospect says? That's so great. Thank you, right? They're not worried. Geez, now I've got to go do the, be the pitch man. No, allow the video to be the pitch man for it, your product or your service. And in most cases, you're going to be the only competitor that has provided videos. So the, the differentiation is going to be Amen. enormous. Yes. Before we wrap up on the pricing and the video, uh, I remember once with a client here in Virginia doing a workshop with them. And I said, is there any reason why you wouldn't want to include pricing information on your website? And all the sales guys were like, no, 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 we can't, we can't have the pricing. <laughs> and I said, why? And naturally, uh, Marcus would know. They'd say, uh, well, because then our competition would find out. The CEO slammed his fist on the conference room table and says, they already know what our pricing is. <laughs> <laughs> and as a matter That's of so fact, great. that CEO, I happened to mention your name and book during that uh, session. And he said, oh, I've been on that guy's pool website. I'm looking to get in a pool from him. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, that is that is reality. Going back to <laughs> if once we accept buyers aren't dumb and that buyers are intelligent human beings, our ability to teach and to show them things just is enhanced so very, very much. We're just not afraid. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I mentioned this in the book, but we, we just fundamentally don't believe in the idea of secret sauce for businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Lots of businesses say, we have a secret sauce. 
And I'm like, eh, BS. No, you don't. And when I was just getting really going in the pool industry, I went to, we were carrying a, 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 a particular brand at the time of fiberglass pools. And we went to this manufacturer's plant and I started recording video of the process. And the owner came, comes out, he's freaking out. He's like, Marcus, Marcus, what are you doing? I'm like, I wanted to show a video on how your pools are made. And he's like, you can't do this. I'm like, what do you mean I can't do this? This makes a lot of sense. People want to know. Come on, dude. Uh, he, and he's like, but this is a proprietary technology that we have. I'm like, no, no, trust me. I've been in other plants. They all look like this, buddy. Nothing special about your sauce at Thousand Island. And he, he, like, he eventually says, okay, well, you can, you can put this one video online. Of course, it becomes their most viewed video ever as a company. And this was like 13 years ago when we started manufacturing our own pools. Check this out. Going back to how short should videos be, we produced a series of eight videos, how we make our pools. They're on average 10 minutes each, so it's 80 minutes the series. 80 minutes! The very high majority of every single customer we have, and now we have customers all over the country because we have franchisees, we have dealers, have watched that series. I constantly have dealers who are not our dealers yet that will approach us and say, yeah, I'm I'm contacting you guys because I got this one homeowner who says they're only going to buy Riverpool and only going to buy because they saw all these videos on how and they seen how y'all make your pools and so they want one of your pools. So how do I become a dealer? Now that's powerful. This is why I don't need a regional sales rep to do my job to grow our manufacturing facility. This is why we became the fastest growing manufacturer of fiberglass pools in the world because of the fact that. We were willing to show everything. We showed the entire process. And because we showed it, it became so real, people believed we had the best pool. Do we really build them better than anybody else? I mean, for the most part, these manufacturers are all pretty similar. But we were the ones that showed it, Douglas. <laughs> and, and that was touched on in your book where you talk about, uh, I think it was the claims we make videos where they say, well, what if we're not that unique? Well, is anyone else explaining it? No. That, that's the thing. We, we oftentimes confuse unique or innovative with, hey, we've got something tangible or a methodology that nobody else has. No, 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 no. You don't. No, no. All you have to do is just show more than anybody else, and it makes you very innovative. It makes you very unique. So, st- I mean, stop. You can sell salt and pepper shakers, and people can see you as outrageously innovative simply because you show more about your salt and pepper shakers than anybody else in the market. Amen. So, Marcus, one of the thing I wanted to ask about, a couple of things in the book, you talk about marketing has become the sales rep that never sleeps. And every marketer, as we talked about earlier, needs to think more like a seller as they become responsible for an expanding part of the buyer's journey. Yeah. And uh, marketers are no longer just responsible for generating brand awareness and running the company website. I wanted to talk about awareness, uh, consideration, decision, and, and some of the principles that uh, that apply there. But let me, let me add to that just w- one last quote here. I, I'll stop quoting from the book. You talk about the, uh, you know, there's the awareness, the consideration, the decision stage, which um, a customer probably goes through yeah. in some form or another. Yeah. 
And you say the awareness stage of the buying journey is the part of marketing that tends to get the most visibility and the most glory. (laughs) Content (laughs) created for awareness is expected to get a broader reach and lots of shares. And you may spend advertising dollars to promote this content to new audiences. You can be fun and creative and can experiment with different messaging on different channels. However, this kind of content is only the tip of the iceberg when it comes to modern marketing. In today's digital self-serve world, marketers have just as big a role to play in converting brand-aware prospects into actively engaged buyers. As potential buyers move into consideration and decision phases, they are now familiar with your brand and your new goal is to generate real demand for your product or service. Your primary channels for engaging during these stages include your website, your blog, you know, learning center, email marketing, nurturing, direct mail, sales team. But And finally, you go on to say businesses can no longer rely exclusively on sales reps to communicate their unique value proposition, answer frequently asked questions, and provide demonstrations or move deals forward by establishing a more personal connection more and more. These are becoming the job of marketing. And this is where video content can truly shine as your yes. sales rep that never sleeps. So what are some of the, the some of the big principles that people should, particularly marketers, should understand and, and take action on? Oh man, it's just, you know, it, that that point that you just made is so relevant, right? And that was actually that segment there was written by Tyler Lassard, my co-author. And it is so stinking powerful when teams start to make this shift. It's been really interesting as an agency. We, our requirement is that we don't just work with marketing departments as an agency. We have to work with the sales and marketing departments. And that's, of course, because it would be irresponsible not to do that based on how today's buyers change and therefore how these two departments must evolve to meet the demands of today's buyer, right? And so more and more, Douglas, we're having what's called revenue teams. And revenue team is the overarching umbrella with sales and marketing underneath that. Sales realizes that, hey, I need to be a part of marketing. So therefore, I need to, for example, help create marketing videos, maybe as the subject matter expert. I need to avail myself to marketing as a subject matter expert, right? Marketing realizes, hey, I need to be responsible for revenue, I need to be responsible for sales. I can't just be producing fluff all day long and think the CFO isn't eventually going to say, so where's the returns here? That's naive. (laughs) Um, That's very, very naive, right? So once we make that shift and we start to think of, okay, I'm responsible for revenue, we start to produce videos that make a big difference. For example, it's like, okay, if you have sales demos that you do, have you created a true world-class video demo of that product on your website that somebody could consume without having to freaking opt in, right? Mm -hmm. And frankly, most of these companies that do demos, you should have a great demo video that anybody can watch. And the next step is a deep dive demo for that specific organization. But what do they mostly do? They most often say, hey, you want a demo? Let's set it up. And that's like, no, 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 no. There's a crazy stat that came out by Gartner just a couple weeks ago. It's so freaking telling, Douglas. And it says 33% of buyers would prefer to have a seller-free sales experience. 44% of millennials would prefer to have a seller-free sales experience. So we're at the point at a minimum, one-third of buyers 
if they had a choice, they'd say, I just don't even want to talk to a salesperson at all. And I'd like to be able to make this purchase without talking to a soul. Yeah. Too many people think that demo means sales pitch. That's exactly right. And so that's one major part of it. Another part of it is, are we, going back to this mindset of the ask you answer, willing to lean into the questions that the buyers always have, but traditionally we haven't addressed unless they ask the salesperson, who's it not a good fit for, right? Um, How does it compare to the competitors, right? So doing those comparison-based questions that they have. These are things that they want to know. Going back to price, it's the exact same thing. You know, if you want to if you want to help, uh, if you want to create a seller-free sales experience, and you think you can ignore talking about money, you're on crack. It just doesn't. It doesn't work. You're on so, crack, and and that's a bad thing. That's that generally is a bad thing. It's generally a bad thing. So you know, these are the these are the things that we have to lean into, and they're inevitables, right? You know, in some ways, I wish I just titled the book "The Inevitable," right? <laughs> right, and and it should be like. Why you need to be doing video, right? Stinking now. But I didn't want to write a book. And as you're listening to this, folks, this book wasn't designed to convince you to do video. In fact, in the beginning, we say, I'm not going to try to convince you to do video because if we have to do that, it means you're pretty much out of touch with the market anyway and how you (laughs) yourself are changing in terms of buyer behavior. We want to talk about how do you make this a culture? What are the videos that really make it fly? That's it. That's it. They got that. They're going to be successful because I truly believe any business can create a culture of video and they can do it in-house, which is fundamental to this, Douglas, because when we have created world-class case studies on video, in my agency at Impact, we've done this a bunch of times, they always own it in-house. Yes. Find and this was some, such yeah. an important part yes. of the Ask You Answer, the second yes. edition. Where, and I, I trust me, Marcus. Every time I've seen you speak or have read your books, I've said, "Oh man, I know what he's talking about." I've done that. <laughs> I've seen this bad movie. I've seen how this movie ends. And in that book, one of the great revelations, uh, and I think this was only in the second edition, where you said, "Look, we'd love to be able to do all this for clients, but the fact is, when we have." it hasn't really taken hold. It's like a a body rejecting a transplanted organ. And that's why you started to pivot impact that way and and, and get them. They're not going to be successful if they don't start to own it in-house. And in case anyone's wondering, it doesn't mean you have to rush out and buy a whole lot of expensive equipment. You 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 can get started doing this and the book shows you exactly how to do that. Well, that's that's exactly right. This isn't out of anyone's reach. But if you do want to be exceptional, phenomenal, and just explode in trust, explode in sales, become known as a true thought leader, your, your company, your brand, well, then you have to say, okay, how can we take off the handcuffs and really be able to do this in a rapid powerful, effective way. I've never seen somebody completely dominate their industry by outsourcing video. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just, you don't see it. And this is why generally when you see thought leaders on video, these are like <laughs> people that are small shops because they don't have red tape. They're just sitting there cutting videos not thinking about okay, is this does this meet our standards of quality within the organization? No, they're they're just riffing on videos all day long. Now, I'm not saying you put out junk, 
But to give you a sense of, of quantity, and this is assuming quality is good. And, you know, we define what quality, you know, is in the book in terms of the things that you're talking about. I mean, it's really what, what, what defines quality. And of course, your approach being honest and transparent. But you know, the most effective companies produce at least 100 videos a year, Douglas. That's it. At least 100 videos a year. Educational, helpful utilitarian videos a year. Minimum 100 should be your bar. And you're like, wow, that's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess it's a lot. But if you do that, if you do that, things get really, really exceptional. And you can start to see that hockey stick growth in terms of the company, in terms of the brand. Now, tell me how much you're going to spend if you're going to outsource 100 videos a year and they're going to be decent videos. You're just not going to do it. You know, you want to, and, and the thing about it is, what people understand with video, it's not just a matter of, yeah, go get that you know video production company and and that'll just happen. Video is like walking; it takes time. You crawl before you walk. You will crawl with video before you walk with video before you run with video. That's why we talk about embracing the messy, embracing the clunky, knowing that it's not going to be perfect as you do it as you you know, traverse this, this hill and you go on this journey, there's going to be a learning curve. One of the learning curves, for example, is your subject matter experts becoming comfortable on camera. How does that happen? It happens with practice. It happens by you giving them some tips and some training. It happens by a videographer in-house that has trust with that individual that is able to coach them in the moment and make them feel good, make them feel confident. I have had the terrible opportunity and occasion at times to watch outsourced video companies come into an organization and try to shoot videos. And it's just a train wreck of nervousness. And it usually doesn't go well because, again, that's just this finger snap of let's try to create something great. Whereas anybody that's gone on this journey will tell you, man, our first video stunk, but, but they were a win because we were progressing, right? We were advancing. We were getting better. Mm-hmm. The goal of video is not perfection. It's progress always. Yes, and Marcus Sheridan, four of the most important words in your book, at least four that really resonated with me and I wanted in stone were authenticity trumps production value. Yes. Authenticity trumps production value. And frankly, when I see something that's more authentic and real, it's much more believable. If it's too slick, I'm. I, it's another reason why you need to get it in-house. I think everybody has a lot of iPhones. They could just get started with uh, that or their, their Android phones. To mm-hmm. just, just the secret to getting ahead is, is getting started and we're running out of time, but listeners should know there's entire sections on the correct use of video in social media, which is not just repurposing what you've already done, uh, about how to use uh, video in email marketing, how it can turbocharge things. And the the ideas of getting a culture, this getting this cultural adaptation of using video, everybody should probably be looking at hiring a a videographer and you explain why most companies end up uh, by hiring a videographer. And they initially thought, can we even keep someone busy? Uh, pretty quickly, they have a backlog. So there's, oh my goodness. there's so much, so much more there. But Marcus, if readers took only one thing away from the book, what would you and Tyler hope it would be? I think it's, I think it's twofold. Number one, we're a media company, whether we like it or not. Number two, unless we show it, 
whatever it is, it doesn't exist. Yeah, those two mindsets, you're going to do something really, really special in your space. Yeah. And it's funny when you say some of the smaller ones are the ones that are, you know, crushing it in video. <laughs> yeah. What do they have to lose? <laughs> they, well, they get all have, kinds of traction. You have nothing to lose in your industry. If you're listening to this, I'm sure it's still a blue ocean of opportunity in your space. It's exciting times. And I really mean that. It, sure, 2020 has been a rough year, but it's exciting in terms of your capabilities to do things that only massive, massive companies could have done, um, you know, 15 years ago. And, and, and to the point that you made earlier, that the, the phone that you're holding right now is literally better than a $150,000 camera 20 years ago. That's <laughs> stunning. That's exciting. You can show your story. You don't have to just tell it. You can show it. And then people will spread it. And that's when it gets really, really fun, right? And don't think you don't have a story because if somebody is considering spending money on something, there's a story to be told there, always, always, always. And so that's the visual sale. And one last thing about it um, that that I, I think it's critical is, you know, we, we did this book pre-COVID and then we added some sections afterwards specific to virtual events and virtual selling, mm-hmm. how to transition your sales team to being virtual and to being great on video sales calls, which I spent so much time doing over the last eight months. And that, you know, you want to talk about a huge movement considering 71% of all salespeople were outside sales reps. And they've all been forced to at least do a mix of um let's call telesales or video sales. It's it's fascinating times, Douglas. And that's why this book is one that I really believe that companies, if they're thinking ahead, looking ahead and saying, what do we have to do to win in today's virtual world? I think the visual sale is going to help you out a lot. Absolutely. And I, sh- I should add that at the end of your book, you have the 11 irrefutable laws of effective <laughs> virtual sales meetings. Yeah. And if you work in sales, these 11 laws are worth the price of the book. And it's just phenomenal. And I can remember we even talked a bit about these when I had you on that special edition of Authors in Quarantine Getting Cocktails. Thank oh, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for yeah. doing that. But it's uh, it's interesting. And also, the things that are in this book are not going away. In other words, there's a permanence <laughs> to these things. Yep. That's why I said this isn't just a coronavirus book. And if you have time, could you just explain what has happened at your own pool company with the salespeople? For a long time, you were saying, why are we spending three hours driving to each customer? It was crazy. For years, we somebody would call us. We'd go out to their house. That was a couple hours away. We'd sit down for a couple hours, give them a quote, drive home a couple more hours. You know, So you've got six, seven, eight hours invested in one appointment. We could do max one to two appointments a day. And, you know, I was telling my, my sales team, I'm like, why are we not doing some of these over video? They're like, oh, we can't do that, Marcus, because, you know, we got to see the yard. We got to see the the grade. We got to see all these things. I'm like, I just think we could do it over video. They didn't listen. But then COVID comes and all of a sudden they're like, hey, Marcus, we got to figure out how to do video sales. And I said, okay, guys, well, what's our biggest problem? Well, we got to see the yard. Okay, let's create a video that teaches people how to take photos 
of their backyard so that we can see exactly what we would need to see if we were there. And so now, guess what? We get these amazing videos and photos from homeowners showing us everything we need to see. We have salespeople now doing five, six, seven appointments in a day. And here's what's crazy, Douglas. Every single one of my salespeople has said the same thing. I would never go back to the way we were doing it before, Marcus. I'm thinking, you wasted years of your life in a vehicle. Blessing to you. Yeah. And so that's how it goes, though. But everybody has the luxury of hindsight. Now, though, we can move forward and we can do things. It doesn't mean we throw away what we were doing well in the past. Worst case video is an amazing supplement to what you've always done. That's the worst case. You know, best case is it makes your life dramatically more time efficient, more effective, and increases closing rates. It shortens sales cycles, right? And it explodes your brand in the process. That's what's possible. That's what's possible. So at marketingbookpodcast.com, we will include links to everything linkable to Impact Site, to the book site, and also to the visualsale.com, which is really the book site, to your LinkedIn profile, as well as uh, Tyler's. And I hope that listeners will connect with you and Tyler and suggestion, include a message <laughs> that, you know, I heard you on the podcast or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. But that's my place, LinkedIn. Yeah. That's where I live. That's where I hang out. You've, so. uh, you've turned off Facebook too, right? Yeah, I'm not on Facebook. I'm LinkedIn because um, I want to have happy, happy vibes. And so um, I, I produce a lot of good content there. So make sure you connect with me on LinkedIn. Folks. You do. And for you, dear listener, if you're listening on your smartphone and you've subscribed to the Marketing Book Podcast on your favorite podcast app, all these links can be found by going to this episode and clicking on the show notes link. The name of the book is The Visual Sale, How to Use Video to Explode Sales, Drive Marketing, and Grow Your Business in a Virtual World the authors are Marcus Sheridan and Tyler Lassard. Marcus, thank you very much for returning for the third time to the Marketing Book Podcast. My pleasure, brother. And that closes the book on another episode of the Marketing Book Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you are one of the hundreds of listeners who've left an iTunes review, I would like to return your kind favor by mailing you some Marketing Book Podcast bookmarks and laptop stickers. Just send me your mailing address anywhere in the world, and I will drop it in the mail to you. And since you're a listener to the Marketing Book Podcast, and I read every book featured on this show, if I can recommend a specific marketing or sales book or any other resource I know of, for whatever situation you find yourself in, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn where we can chat and I will do my best to get you pointed in the right direction. Thanks again for listening to the Marketing Book Podcast. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.